Support for I Am Salt Lake comes from KRCL 90.9, amplifying community voices since 1979. This listener-supported music discovery station covers everything from reggae and punk rock to local grassroots activism. Listen today at 90.9 FM or right online at krcl.org. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by our friends at Kennedy Botanicals and Libsyn. We're going to be telling you more about them throughout this episode. Let's welcome everybody out today to episode 398 of I Am Salt Lake Podcast. My name's Chris Hollifield. And my name's Chrissy Hollifield. And if this is your first time listening to this podcast, you might be wondering what it's all about. Well, this podcast is about showcasing the awesome people in Salt Lake City, Utah. We get to talk to musicians, authors, business owners, restaurant owners, breweries, distilleries, really anyone who might have a cool story to share. All right, so for those of you that are connected to us on Facebook or Instagram, you already know that we moved our podcast studio. You're probably asking yourself, why did you move that awesome podcast studio out of Empire Merchandise, especially if Empire Merchandise is so cool? Well, first of all, Empire Merchandise is still cool. My brother Rob owns that shop, so please support them. I mean, it's it's in my family, you guys. We just moved the podcast studio because it was becoming such a headache to have to get babysitters, to have to go back and forth between the kids, to have to, uh, you know, record around Empire schedules, our schedules, babysitter schedules. In this awesome house that we got back in July, there's an extra bedroom. So we're like, why don't we turn that into a podcast studio? And we actually have long-term goals to actually convert some of the garage into a podcast studio, which we'll be talking about on future episodes. But bear with us during that transition This interview, though, with Mike was actually one of the last interviews that we did at Empire. So that was done at Empire. Go support Empire. I mean, they're a great place. 680 South State Street. My brother Rob owns that shop, so go support them. I know that's where I buy a lot of my stuff still. Yeah, great place to shop right downtown Salt Lake. Who's on the podcast today, Chrissy? Today on the podcast, we're actually joined by Mike Angelari from Humans of Salt Lake City. Mike has such a cool story about what inspired him to start up Humans of Salt Lake City, some of his favorite people that he's gotten to chat with and interview, and even his process of getting stories from people and sharing them with the rest of us. You're going to want to listen to this conversation that we're going to play in just a minute. Hey, before we get into that awesome conversation with Mike, let's give love to one of our sponsors, though, Kennedy Botanicals. You've heard us talk about them. One thing to remember, guys, when you support our sponsors, you are directly supporting this podcast. So support our sponsors whenever possible. Did you know that CBD is now legal and can be used in all 50 states? KennedyBotanicals.com is your one-stop shop for all your CBD needs. They offer pure 100% organic CBD in capsules, tinctures, pain gel rollers, and they even offer CBD treats for your furry friends. I know that I personally use CBD for my anxiety. You know, it's great. A couple of drops under the tongue. I'm good for the day. Also, a couple of drops under my tongue before bed, and I'm sleeping like a baby. And some of the other benefits of CBD include depression, anxiety, epilepsy, muscle spasms, insomnia, chronic pain, Parkinson's disease, reduced inflammation, and it even helps with acne. So basically everything. Is that so what you're So just like rub it all over your body, take a bath in it. 
Kennedy Botanicals is a local Utah family-owned and operated business, and they really focus on educating you in the CBD world because they believe that educating yourself on CBD is only going to better arm you for what CBD is truly capable of doing. Kennedy Botanicals provides quality CBD products at an affordable price. Go visit their website, kennedybotanicals.com, to learn more about their CBD products. Again, that website is kennedybotanicals.com. Show your support for the podcast and go support these guys. All right, let's get into that conversation with Mike Angelieri from Humans of Salt Lake City when he came over to our podcast studio to share his story. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy this conversation. Why didn't you go with a full force blog instead of just because you right now you just you're just doing Facebook and, and Instagram, right? With with what you're doing in the beginning, I didn't know what kind of platform I wanted. Okay. And to me, Facebook at the time just seemed the most viable way to go. I had read an article about humans of New York and checked him out on Facebook and immediately went to see if there was a humans of Salt Lake City Facebook page and there wasn't. So I just created it. And so you had no idea what this is going to turn into. Is it going to turn very similar to how when I started this show, I was like, well, even if only 30 people listen to it, I'm going to have fun doing it. Yeah, absolutely. So are you you from Salt Lake then or what? where's home for you then? Well, I mean, I've lived in Salt Lake for the better part of 30 years. So I call myself a native, but I was born in Florida. Okay, that's right. That's right. We mentioned that before we started recording because we were talking about us being stuck in Florida. Yes. <laughs> where where in Florida? Jacksonville. Okay, so Jacksonville. Up we're, in the Northeast. I, I had a buddy uh, that played football over there, Jacksonville. Uh, Jaguars? The, the Jaguars, the, oh, wow. the NFL team over okay. there. And uh, Ryan, Ryan yeah, over there played, yeah. played there. So it's funny because the first time I ever went to Florida, like I was saying, was last March. And he was all trying to tell me. He's like, well, you know, a little ways out from Orlando, blah, 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 blah. Great experience in March, completely different this time. It, why Why are people weird down there, man? Like, why? Why are? And I know that we're not a Florida podcast, but I'm curious now. You grew up there. Uh, well, I'm very sorry to say the Florida that I knew does not exist anymore. Why? What? What I mean is, you know, we used to be able to go to the beach. Are we recording? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, this is going to sound like I'm a little bit... Oh, holier than thou. And I don't mean it that way. Or I could take this out if you don't. Well, want to, you it's know. just not, it's not important. Um, the thing is when, when I was a kid and we would go to Florida, you know, bathing suits were substantial. Okay. Mm-hmm. And now they're optional. Now well, they're not only optional, they're dental floss. You know? um, yeah. And we made a trip to the beach with our eight year old daughter at the time. And I could not believe everything that was hanging out oh yeah yeah. you know and i thought wow this is not the florida that i remember and please do not get me wrong i don't care what people wear Mm -hmm. but at the time i wanted my daughter to see what i wanted her to see and i didn't (laughs) want for sure what i didn't think she was ready to see to be right in front of her man we should have gone to the beach chrissy i guess we Well, yeah, it's just it's just a different world. Um, yeah. And and I mean, I, I don't think it's unique to Florida. No, it, it's I mean, it's fine. No. I just I, <laughs> I just like to, you know, because you hear the, the cra- you read the crazy news articles about people, oh, sure. you know, the bath salts and the, yeah. the weird drugs people take down there. Well, or- you know, there's like the online thing that people do. They'll say Google a Florida man. And then your birthday and see what comes up. And there's always some crazy story. <laughs> and then people would share stories about what a Florida man did on their birthday. 
<laughs> so what brought you to what, why'd you come to Utah then from Florida? I mean, that's that's quite a trip. I um school I was, or what? No, no. I I did not like my life the way it was. It was I was single, I was bored, didn't really have any sense of direction, no aspirations. And I decided to cash in my chips and I threw all of my clothes into a coffin-sized black duffel bag, got on a Greyhound bus, had no idea where I was going and didn't care. I was very young and I would say very naive. Uh, I would not recommend doing that. Why wouldn't you recommend doing that? Well, uh, because I ended up sleeping in a closet and it was uncomfortable. I came to Utah and I was basically a stranger in a strange land. So you knew nobody here. I had a few contacts, but my point is I didn't have a sense of belonging. This was a total transplant, a total alteration of my whole life. And I think when you, if you do that without preparation, without uh, studying and maybe giving yourself a little bit of a chance. Like knowing where you're going to and what is there for you yes. to possibly do. It's not, yeah. it's not very pleasant. And I mean, I, I kind of felt like I had to depend on people that maybe I didn't want to have to depend on. I, I was surrounded by very good people. Some of them are still my very best friends, even 30 odd years later. But that was a shaky beginning. And I don't think a shaky beginning is a very good way to start. But that I guess sense. you have to. I mean, I think everybody learns things different ways, though, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I think that maybe helped form your life today yeah. in creating good, cool projects. I think so many people just expect handouts, right? Like, Chrissy and I will talk about this a lot, especially kids nowadays going to college and going to, you know, they never had a job before they graduate from college. And then all of a sudden, they expect all this great, you know, six-figure job after <laughs> they graduate. But yet they don't even have a Taco Bell or a McDonald's under their belt of working for minimum wage, right? Yeah. And I think that there's there's a lot of importance behind that. I know it was for me, right? Nothing was handed to me. And I think right. it sounds like it was for you too. I, uh, in the very same boat. I, I worked at a, some kind of a an awful telemarketing company just to earn enough money to get food, uh -huh. you know, and ultimately, you know, you, you, you work your way through it. Right. When I say I wouldn't recommend that, maybe that's not the right way to put it. It's more like. It's a harder life. It is harder. It can be done. If you make up your mind to change the world that you want to live in and are prepared to take the consequences that come with the choices you make when you do that, it will work out. It just might not be the dream mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. The humans of Salt Lake City. Mm -hmm. How did this idea come to you? Let's talk. I mean, because you've been around. For, I mean, when did it start? You uh, October of 2013. So your birthday's coming up here pretty quick. Yes. Two, yes. seven years? Six years. Six years. That's six right. Years. Yeah, six years. Yeah. Talk about how that started for you. What was the idea there? I was reading an article on msnbc.com about this guy that runs Humans of New York. And at the time, I think he probably had 5 million followers. 
just and, five million followers. I know that sounds no, like a small no, audience. No, no, no. Yeah, but yeah. Comparative compared to today, that is a small audience because he's got eighteen million followers now. Wow. And they wrote an article just saying that this guy walks the streets, he talks to complete strangers, he gets them somehow to open up to him and tell him stories about their lives, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever it happens to be. He takes their portrait and he shares it on Facebook and people are given a window into a stranger's life and it resonates with them somehow. And I'll, I'll expand on that a little bit later, but I just remember thinking, that's a cool idea. That's really cool. And I immediately was curious to know if there was a project like that here. So uh, I immediately jumped onto Facebook and saw that there was no Humans of Salt Lake City page. And so just to be proprietary, I created the page. Smart. Had no idea what I was going to do. Had no idea how I was going to get anybody to talk to me. Um, I had an old Nikon camera and no plan, no MO, no guidelines. I just thought, I'm going to go out there and just see what happens. Was it really hard for you to initially approach people and and try to get them to open up? Were people like very, did they put up defenses? And How was that experience? Well, on if you ever have a rainy day when you don't have anything to do, you should go back into the history of the page uh, and read some of the earlier posts, like in 2013 and 14. By today's, by comparing to today's posts, they are pathetic. They are clearly not thought out. They are not, the questions, the stories are not very well put together. Uh, so the beginning was very clumsy. And I mean. It has to be, right? It has to be, yeah. exactly. So all I thought I could do was approach somebody just being a friendly social person. And if somebody wants to talk back to me, I can build on that. So. The very first interview, I walked through the Main Street Plaza at Temple Square. It's October, and I ran into one of the Temple Square gardeners, and she was planting the tulip bulbs. Hmm. And, you know, I waved and smiled, and she waved and smiled back, so that was the signal it was okay to approach. I told her what I was doing. I said, you are my very first interview. And I said, if you could give the world one piece of advice, what would it be? And she said, do something you love every day. I love it. And I just thought, if that's not a perfect segue into this project, I don't know what is. Yeah. And that was that was it. That I mean, the picture was bad. The story was just that. Very simple. Very unsophisticated, uh, no real emotionally evocative way to respond. Yeah. It was just, it was just flat and that was it. But I thought as time went by and I talked with other people and learned how to elicit a certain response by asking a question a certain way, 
even if the interview ends up being a different facet of the original conversation, that it got better. And even now, uh, I look back and I'll, I'll see an interview from 2014 that got 36 likes, you know, mm-hmm. and now I can, I can get thousands of reactions. Yeah, I was going to say you get quite a bit, <laughs> two, yeah. three thousand. Yes. I, I, I can reach hundreds of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And again, you just had to start somewhere, start small and let it grow. And what I discovered was that the more I did it, the better I was going to get. Uh, the more adept I was going to get at feeling that I could get a particular emotionally uh, powerful story out of somebody. And I do have some super duper secret techniques, I suppose you could call them, to establishing that relationship of trust and of comfort. It's a non-judgmental zone. A person is free to tell me what they want. They can be raw. They can be vulnerable. All I really ask is that you tell me something that's real. I say it that way because every once in a while, someone will tell me a fib. And can you usually tell if they're fibbing? No, uh, uh, the audience will call them out. Yeah, I was going to say that, that would, <laughs> yeah. that would yeah. be a skill if you can. No, I, you... no, I have no, I, I have no way of knowing whether somebody tells me something that's true or not. Right. And I don't try. You know, uh, if you I just interv- tell the story that, that I is tell their the story, story that they tell me, yeah. uh, but every once in a while, someone will read a story and they will, it's funny how small Salt Lake city, because really they'll oh, yeah. know them they know or the something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I can photograph somebody and that person, which, and I never, I never ask their names. I never ask for identifying information because I don't want them to feel like they're being interrogated. Yeah. This is just a random interview. Tell me your story and let it. Let it be what it is. I'm not going to ask you for your ID. I don't need any of that information. But I will photograph somebody. And I guess my audience is large enough now that the odds of someone out there not knowing who this person is are probably pretty small. One time I was at City Creek. uh, It was in December and it was very cold. And there was this young couple very young, I guess they were probably in their 20s, with a baby in a carriage. And it was probably 10 degrees outside. Oh, wow. And of course, the baby was all wrapped up in everything, but they were panhandling. Hmm. And I've talked to homeless people before, mm-hmm. uh, and I think I've gotten to be pretty good at telling who the con artists are versus who the people are that are in real trouble. Sure. And this young couples told me this story about how her father and and her boyfriend had gotten into some kind of argument and that the father had kicked them out of the house. And I don't remember all the story because I ultimately, when I posted it, people knew who they were and they started sending me comments and messages. That story's not true. He didn't kick them out. Oh, wow. You know, and so it's very rare when I get called out like that, mm-hmm. but and I don't like to even call it being called out. I, I like to call it, I've been made aware that this mm-hmm. isn't true. And when that happens, I take the story down. I, I was curious. I was like, do you leave it up? No. Do you take it down? No, I will not. I but how do you per- know they're telling the truth though? That's a good question. I guess if I just end up getting the vibe 
that this story is backfiring in one way or another. It, I don't want to keep it up. It. It's not. Well, because uh, I, I hear stuff people talking about me and I'm like, well, that's not true. You know, yeah. people say stuff about, I mean, I'm sure we all deal with yeah, that, right? Like, I mean, like, oh, that Mike guy from Humans of Salt Lake. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember another time I photographed a, a couple at Liberty Park who had been inebriated, clearly. And I don't know why I didn't back off. I really should never have interviewed them. And they told me a story about a, a daughter who had committed suicide in the park. And the guy in the story claimed to be the girl's father and mm-hmm. the woman was his girlfriend. And they told me the story according to their memory or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then later on, somebody claiming to be the dead girl's mother got on the story and oh. said, please take this down. That is not true. All this, all this stuff. And I thought, no, I'm not going to take it down. This is the story they told me, and that's how it is, and it has nothing to do with you. And if you don't like it, don't look at it. <laughs> well, true. <laughs> and, and that is true. But at the same time, other people, other friends of her apparently realized that my having posted this story according to how they told it was causing the mother some measure of pain. Yeah. And I don't want to hurt anybody. No. So yeah. I ended up taking it down for that reason as well. And that's good. I mean, but, it's good to be aware of people's situations and if it yeah. creates an uncomfortable situation yeah. to, now, to be willing. To back up just a little bit. Now, were you doing – was this like your first you, – you didn't do a blog of any sort before, no. right? And were, were you doing photography of any sort too or, or just well, like a, a, a novice photographer, self-taught? Yeah, I've, I've been a self-taught photographer now for the better part of 40 years. Okay. So that's why I was wondering like is this – I mean your, I mean, your photos now They're are beautiful. beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Thank I you. mean, I haven't really dug that deep back to 2013 and stuff, so I don't know how they were then. Well, no, you listen to, you know, the first hundred I Am Salt Lakes and they're like, you know, so you, you learn, right. right? Right. And that's why I was curious of like where your skills, I mean, because it sounds like this got better within time. Yes, they have. Writing and-, and Yes. Now explain, okay, the process- so okay. you just kind of start wandering Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. Do you have like an area you like to go or do you like different areas? I, I try not to restrict myself to any one area. Typically, I can do downtown Liberty Park, Sugar House, 9th and 9th, Pioneer Park. I can go to Murray or Sandy or Mount Olympus or wherever. And ultimately, I will just walk. Do a lot of walking with this job. And what oh, do you yeah. usually have with you? A camera? I, I, I used to use my big Nikon DSLR, and I've gotten tired of that. It's a lot to carry around. It really is. Yeah. Uh, so I now, I just use my phone. No kidding. You know, and um, uh, I just walk around. And again, it goes back to my guidelines. If I see that your earbuds are in, or if you're reading, or if you're talking on your phone, or if you're with somebody... Uh, and you are obviously busy. Sure. I'm not going to disturb. But if you're alone, and I really do prefer to take portraits of, of a person one at a time mm-hmm. rather than two or three. I do some group shots from time to time, but most of the time it's just one person. And uh, again, if you're not obviously doing something that's distracting you or needing you to focus Uh, And I make eye contact with you and I smile and wave at you or somehow establish 
some kind of a Awareness. salutation, yeah. you know, if you react back, I'm going to sit down and talk to you. And I will usually, and I'm trying to get out of this habit because I, I don't want to sound like I'm depending on them, but I will usually approach someone and say, hey, have you ever heard of Humans of New York? And every once in a while, uh, someone will say, yeah, I've heard about them. And then I'll say, well, guess who I am? And they'll, they'll think you're humans in New York. They'll go, who? <laughs> and I'll go, well, I'm humans of Salt Lake City. And you'd be amazed. People get so excited. Oh, I'm sure. Because it's such a neat thing. They hug me. You know? <laughs> they, they immediately hug me, which is wonderful. And, you know, I tell them, I, I'd like to, to talk to you. And can I ask you a question? Can I, can I take your portrait? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. yes. And they get so excited. And, to this day, I still can't quite figure out what it is that gets them so excited, but I love it. Yeah. You know? And do, so, do people ask for like a card or anything? I mean, do you carry uh, business cards or anything? No, I used to have a business card that just said Humans of Salt Lake City with the Facebook, the little blue and, and white F. But I don't I, – I didn't know how how else that would promote the page. Mm -hmm. I even had a, a, a decal on my car, follow Humans of Salt Lake City – and then I thought, mm, I don't know if I want that much exposure. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. I've I've never messed with a, a business. I just card didn't know since. people didn't take you legitimately, right? Like they'd be like, "Wait, you just have an iPhone? You're just doing like people again?" Back to when I bring people into our studio, they expect this fancy radio mm -hmm. podcast studio, and especially if you're just taking photos with an iPhone, right? Yeah. Well, like, and Wait. I think I think especially today, since there's so much awareness of how scary things can be. I mean, it seems like people would be a lot more defensive initially than you and know, they 20 are. years ago. They they can be. And usually what I'll do is I'll show I'll pull up the page on mm -hmm. my phone and show them, you know, here it is. This yeah. is me. And I'll even pan through and show some of the portraits and interviews that I've done. Oh, this is real. Come on, let's do it. Yeah. And so uh Every once in a while, someone will say, no, I'm not interested or I don't have time. And if they do, I say, hey, no problem. If you get a chance, check out the page. And then I go on my way. Yeah. You know, if somebody says no, I'm not going to say, well, guess what? You're out of luck. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Libsyn. Hey, listen up. Are you thinking of starting a podcast? I know that there are a lot of you listening that are looking to start a podcast, how do I know it's because you're emailing me, because you're trying to get tips from me, because you're like, hey, you've been doing I Am Salt Lake for seven years, so you must know what to do. Well, let me tell you about Libsyn, all right? We've been using Libsyn, that's Libsyn.com, L-I-B-S-Y-N. We've been using them to host I Am Salt Lake for the past seven years, and I know that I truly could not be happier with their service. They make it super easy to set up and they make it super easy to get your podcast routed to all of the podcast players out there like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. They give you amazing stats. You got to check them out. Libsyn.com, L-I-B-S-Y-N. I am Salt Lake Podcast listeners. Pay attention though. We have a special promo code just for you. It's Salt Lake, all one word, S-A-L-T-L-A-K-E. You're, if you use this promo code, you're going to get the rest of this month, all of next month, free hosting at Libsyn.com. I think you're really going to be happy with them because, like I said, we've been using them for seven years for this podcast, and they are doing an amazing job. Many thanks to Libsyn for their support of the podcast. Let's get back into that conversation with Mike Angelieri as he shared his story of Humans of Salt Lake City. This one's good, you guys. Pay attention. Before we get too far, actually, I want to, so we have a Facebook group, 
and I am Salt Lake, uh, I am Salt Lake community, which everybody should join it. Just search. I am Salt Lake community on Facebook. You'll go to our group. There's a few questions and, and, and I want to make sure I ask these because sometimes I'll forget to ask them and then I feel so bad, right? Brittany Hemingway. I want to read. She, she's got kind words about you, Mike, and I want you to see this. She just says, OMG. Yes. She said this work in project is so impactful and important. I have questions, but please tell them how, how this simple thing is so very meaningful. Uh, I wow. have tons of questions as usual. My immediate thoughts are, so she asked a bunch of questions. I want to make sure, cause I think these will be a lot of questions that I would ask anyways, Mike. Okay. One thing I do want to say, she did say again, you know, lastly, thank you so much. Your work is so impactful and important. So I wanted, oh, I wanted to tell you that's that, Mike. Nice. Thank um, you. Her first question is what, who are your most memorable interviews? Which that's a lot. Do you have like one or two that you could quickly share? And I know you've already shared a few, I guess. Is there any others you would care to share? Yes. I was again in that neighborhood around second South and second East. And I think this was probably about four years ago. And I had my big camera around my neck. I'm just kind of walking down the sidewalk and maybe about 7,500 yards away from me, a woman, older woman was sitting on her apartment doorstep, smoking a cigarette. And she was, had very messy hair and had a halter top dress with no straps, smoking a cigarette. And she sees me walking down and she sees my camera. And she yelled out at me. She goes, what you taking pictures of, honey? (laughs) You're like, well, hopefully of you. (laughs) And I, you know, it's funny that very rarely do others establish the communication. Most of the time it's me talking first. Right. So if she's going to ask me that question, I'm going to answer. Oh, yeah. So I, I approached her and I told her what I was doing. And she goes, well, I got a story. I mean, she has a real rough, real rough New Jersey smoker's voice. Mm -hmm. I says, all right, well, let me get out my recorder. And I turned on my recorder and I sat down next to her and she immediately took me by the arm. Hmm. And she tells me that a year earlier, she had been assaulted by a pastor. Wow. And that every morning she wakes up. And she can still smell his breath on her. And her grip on my arm is tightening. And I'm honestly thinking to myself, this is where I need to be. And it is totally okay to let this complete stranger unload. Mm -hmm. Maybe she needs to unload. And maybe this is the only outlet she has. Doesn't cost me anything. Mm -hmm. And she proceeds to tell me that, She's going to therapy to deal with what happened, having a very hard time. She's crying and hanging on to me for dear life is what it feels like. And she told me the whole thing. And then she drops the bomb on me and she says that she is thinking about committing suicide. Now, at that time, I think I probably had either five or 7,000 followers and I had no idea what kind of response this story would generate because it was the first one that was painful. Mm -hmm. I have talked with people about guilt, shame, fear, hopes, dreams, aspirations ever since, but this was the first one that really struck some nerves. 
And I worried, I don't want anybody who reads this to accuse me of trying to capitalize on her tragedy. Mm-hmm. At that time, my wife was my conscience editor, and we would discuss whether a story was okay to post or not okay to post. And when this woman told me that she wanted to end her life, I let her say everything that she needed to say until she finally stopped either to draw breath or smoke her cigarette or whatever. And I said to her, and I looked her straight in the eye, and I said, please don't hurt yourself, but not because I'm asking you not to hurt yourself. I said, I believe that if you let me publish this story the way you've told it to me, people out there, complete strangers who have been through the same thing or who can somehow relate will send you comments. They will tell you that they're praying for you to be strong, to know that you're not alone. Yeah, she'll have a community. Exactly. Yeah. And she said, all right, go ahead and publish the story. And, you know, I went home and went over it with my wife. And again, we were really unsure about whether this was a good idea or not. And we ultimately decided, no, she gave me permission to publish it. I'm going to publish it the way she said it and let the chips fall where they may. One of the other guidelines I use to manage this page When I post a story, I want you to comment. I want there to be a conversation of any sort. But as soon as I see somebody being rude, abusive, negative, otherwise critical in such a way that detracts from the story, I don't leave those on. I delete them. Mm -hmm. This page is about community. You don't have to agree But you don't have to be threatened if someone doesn't agree with you. And you don't have to be a jerk about it either. This is a place where everybody has the right to express their opinion in an intelligent, decent, civil sort of way. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine a Facebook world like that? Wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) I just had to say. Wouldn't that be nice? So anyway, um, I published the story. And sure enough, I think about 20 people got on that post and did exactly what I said they would. I'm praying for you. Mm. I have been there. I know how you feel. Some people even commented to use this resource or that resource. Reach out. You're not alone. I'm. Don't let this idiot ruin your life. All these wonderfully supportive mm-hmm. messages. That is not the end of the story. There's more. Mm. Three weeks later, I was back in that same neighborhood again. And I saw the woman again and she saw me. And when I saw her, she had had her hair done up and she was better dressed. And she yelled out at me. She goes, humans of Salt Lake. (laughs) I saw the story. You saved my life. And I swear to this day, I still get goosebumps. I got goosebumps now, man. That's, That's amazing. That's the power of the page. I really believe that she discovered and maybe needed a reminder that she's not alone, Mm -hmm. that there are people out there who have gone through the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that when, excuse me, I think when something bad happens to a person, it's very easy to think, 
I'm alone. Oh, I'm the only one. Yeah. Nobody else knows what this feels like. And when someone reads a story and discovers, my God, that's me. That could be me. Mm-hmm. What power there is in the validation. Oh, yeah. I think nobody wants anything bad to happen to anybody. But I think that when something bad happens and you realize that you are not alone in that, that's one of the first steps to healing. Yeah. Well, and and the power of empathy that you have when you can share your story and help other people through something that you've been through is incredible. Yes. It's it's important. It's so important. Yes. And I mean, to be told that I saved her life yeah. was extraordinary. I had no idea that something so simple could have such a powerful and ultimately beautiful outcome. Mm-hmm. And to discover that the page can continue to do that, even with other stories, gives me a great deal of of happiness. In fact, on that note, let to answer your question about memorable interviews, I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna try to share one with you that I did very recently, and it was one of the most beautiful and hauntingly strange interviews I have ever seen. Hmm. But let me give you a little background while I pull this up. Um, I was walking. This was actually about three weeks ago, maybe a month ago. I was walking along South Temple East towards the U. I was right by the Eagle Gate. And, you know, right next to the Eagle Gate is the Eagle Gate building. Yeah. And then next to that is an alley. And in that alley was one of those large brown construction bins where construction debris is like a big dumpster. And behind it, for some strange reason, a man was sitting in a folding chair. Hmm. And again, I made eye contact with him and he waved and smiled and I approached him and I told him what I was doing and he agreed to tell me a story, but he was adamant that he did not want to be photographed. And that happens every once in a while. Sometimes if somebody wants to tell me a painful story, mm-hmm. they'll let me photograph their shoes or their hands or maybe from the back so that they're not identifiable. That doesn't take away from, that doesn't take away from the weight of the story, but every once in a while, I have to be creative about what kind of portrait comes with the story. Yeah. And he would not let me photograph his shoes. He didn't want any part of him to be photographed. If you don't mind, I'm just going to read this. Please do, yeah. Um, uh, This was actually on July 8th, so it's been a little while. Uh, Typically, I will – when I want to communicate with the audience, I will do what's called a Dear Salt Lakers post. And I started this one to say, Dear Salt Lakers, the story I am sharing today was told to me just a little more than two hours ago. As most of you who follow this page know, I have been meeting humans of Salt Lake City for nearly six years and have had the most amazing time hearing and sharing their stories. Once in a great while, like today, a story will fall into my lap and it's like finding some rare jewel in the deep of an unexpected and haunted mine. Is the story you're about to hear true? The storyteller did not want to be photographed, and that happens sometimes, 
and I'm grateful to still have a way to capture magic and wisdom from someone who doesn't want to be photographed. He told me this story and then got up from the chair he was sitting in and walked away. Was he a lunatic or otherwise impaired? I do not know, and I cannot know. I can only share what he said to me as he said it, so judge for yourselves. And if you go into the page and look at this particular post, you will see that I photographed the chair that he was sitting in. And this is what he said. I am an immortal. Some people call us angels when they're full of hope or grieving. Some people call us ghosts when they're frightened and can't know what they're seeing. Sometimes we're called demons when people are angry or feeling tormented. Regardless, we are immortals, and we see and hear everything. We are not meant to be hidden, but we're also not meant to be obvious. We are there when you are born, and we are there when you die. We are there at all the moments, good and bad, when people love or hurt each other. But we only observe and take unseen notes. Sometimes we smile at what we see and hear. Sometimes we weep. We watch and we hope that someday people will learn to love and care for each other more rather than fight. Humanity is not all there is out there, but we can't interfere to protect humans from each other or share with them their sweet moments of celebration or spare them from pain. But it should give them peace to know we're out there, watching, waiting, and hoping that people will think more carefully about the things they've done the people they've loved or hated or hurt, the conversations they've had in the light of day or in the secret of dark. We see it all, and it doesn't matter who or what you are. We see the majesty and the mimicry of humanity, all the craziness and shame, all the pain, all the hope of the world, and we wait for it all to get better. The good news is that we know already that it will. Wow. Wow. That particular post reached close to 30,000 people. It got over almost 800 reactions, 140 odd shares, and I don't even know how many comments. And the comments ranged from being goosebumpy to being disbelieving. What did you really see? How did it happen? And other questions. And my wish for that particular post was take it for what it's worth. Right. Could this guy have been something other than what he looked like? I don't know. Was he a homeless, crazy person? I don't know. But it was so cool to take the words that he said mm -hmm. and let people decide for themselves. Yeah. And regardless, it's an, it's an inspiring story, whether yes. it's a fictional story or a non-fictional story. It, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Some people, one person wrote, I said, I believe there are angels among us who oversee the things we experience. They are there to provide hope when it appears lost and instill faith that all will be well. I mean, I think it touched people mm -hmm. and it made people maybe think a little bit and wonder. Yeah. And I was the lucky one to have caught a little bit of that magic. The strangest part that I don't think I'll ever forget, typically when I interview somebody and the interview is over and we part ways, you know, I might go this direction and the other person might go that direction and I can probably turn my head around and still see that person walking away. This person got up from the chair, 
I photographed the chair and I looked up and I could not tell which went. direction he had gone in. Wow. It sounds like a Neil Gaiman book. I don't know who that is. Oh, he's a fabulous writer. One of her favorite authors. One of my favorite authors. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It that, was just- That's was amazing, just, yeah. It was amazing. It was creepy. It was weird. It was- Do you ever go back mm-hmm. to that area to try to look for him? I very rarely ever see anybody I've ever photographed. I mean, once in a very great while, I'll see somebody, um, but no. How many How many stories do you try to collect? Like a week, a month, or what? How many well, are you trying to, do you have like a goal or a, or a, a release date? No, I just, uh, I, typically during the summer months, I will, I mean, I have a regular nine to five job. And during the summer when I'm off work, I will, you know, try to spend a little bit of time either during the evenings when it's not too hot, which is kind of crazy right now, or on the weekends. And I will try and do a blitz of as many portraits as I can get. And then I'll stagger posting them out over the next week or so. In fact, I'm getting ready to go out of town and I've been working on building up a reserve Mm -hmm. of stories to post while I'm gone. So there's not an interruption, but uh, I mean, I used to go out every day. That's not very easy. No. no. Um, I used to go out every weekend and that's not very easy. So I, mm-hmm. I try as hard as I can to get out there as often as I can. In fact, sometimes when I'm out and about doing something that has nothing to do with the project, as long as I have my phone with me, if I happen to have an opportunity to meet somebody, boom, I pull out the phone and, and I can still do it even if it's not on my agenda at that yeah. particular moment. So are you yeah. just recording, you say recorder, like on your phone mm-hmm. or, or so you're doing that all on your iPhone? Yeah. Wow. That is, I mean, that just goes to show you can create whatever you want. You just got to use what you got. Yes. Now, how many stories do you think you've collected? Or maybe you've already said that. Uh, close to 2,000. Close to 2,000. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I want to ask, there's a few more questions here. I'm, I'm going to ask only one more question here from, from uh, uh, Brittany Hemingway. She says... What have you learned the most from your art in interviews? I have learned that everybody is moving forward in one way or another. Hmm. Some people are doing it very clumsily. Some people are doing it haphazardly, elegantly, desperately, but they're all moving forward, even when they don't necessarily realize it. Nobody is standing still. And to be able to sit down and talk with somebody, especially about something that maybe they might not otherwise have a chance to discuss and see where it takes them on their emotional journey has been probably one of the most eye-opening experiences I've ever had. And I say that because I used to live my life not consciously paying attention to anybody around me and not because I'm hoity-toity or busy. I just, my focus just used to be particularly narrow. Um, I go to work, I go to lunch, I have 45 minutes, I got to go get something to eat, I got to get back, I've got this project, I've got this. I don't have time for whatever else is going on around me. Mm -hmm. That's what used to be the case. But now, after almost six years of capturing 
facet after facet after facet of humanity, good, bad, ugly, and otherwise, I cannot go anywhere now and see another human being and not ask myself, what can I learn from you? What can you teach me that will make me a more complete person? And I think that if there were a way to bottle that so that everybody understands fundamentally that we need each other, even in the most unlikely combinations, we can become such a better society. We can survive more easily and peacefully if we really tried to listen to each other and understand each other. One of the mantras that I use in this project to keep me going, everybody has a story, everybody has a struggle, everybody has something to learn, and everybody has something to teach. And I think if we approach each other and give each other that chance to either be taught or to teach or to share something that will help another person add to their own sense of self-completion, what a nicer world it would be. Beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, where, where do you see this taking you, man? Like you say, six years, you still got a nine to five. I mean, would you like to do something with this full time or are you just enjoying what you're doing? It's a little of both. Sure. Uh, I, the truth is, it's not my bread and butter. The dream would be to somehow turn this into a project that not necessarily makes me money, but makes a powerful difference somewhere. Well, somehow. you're making it in Salt Lake City, though. All right. Let me, let me give you an example. When Humans of New York runs a fundraiser for whatever reason, he raises millions of dollars. Millions. Wow. Okay. Humans of Salt Lake City does not have that kind of clout yet. Have you tried? Oh, yes. Really? And I'll, I'll, I'll fill you in. Another story. I was, this was a couple years ago. I was, it was in April or May, and I ran into a homeless man right outside of the state side of City Creek. He had no shoes. And granted, April or May is not exactly a bad time of year to be barefoot. But in this day and age, and in this country, nobody should be barefoot. Mm-hmm. Well, I approached him and you know, I told him what I was doing. And he, as a lot of the homeless people react, did not want to talk to me. He was a little nervous and understandably so. But he said to me that he was hungry. And I said, well, tell you what. If I go into McDonald's and get you a burger, would you be willing to talk to me and let me interview you? He says, sure. And so I walked into McDonald's and I got him a burger and fries and a Coke. And what the heck? I threw in a shake too, just to really sweeten the pot. And I came back out and he was still there. And he he first, and I handed him the food and he looked at me like, number one, he couldn't believe I had delivered. And that kind of made me sad. You yeah. know, this man obviously has no faith in yeah. people. Maybe he's been lied to or whatever. So I gave him the food and he ate. And I sat there with him and I just chatted him up. And then I said to him, "Now w- will you let me will you let me take your picture and will you tell me a story?" 
And he goes, sure. So I photographed him from head to toe. And it wasn't a conscious intent to emphasize the fact that he was barefoot. That It was just a full body shot. And then he pulled something on me like I have never seen. And it was wonderful, scary and wonderful. He says, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing. He says, you want a story? He says, a man with a camera has just taken my portrait for a project that he calls Humans of Salt Lake City. And in exchange for this, he has given me the first meal I have eaten today. And he has proven that once again, there are still people out there who see us and who care enough to recognize that there are some of us who are in trouble. I'm not a carn artist. I'm not trying to take advantage of anybody. I'm just having a hard time. And I'd like the world to know how much I appreciate what this man has done. Now, to step away from that, I did not want to publish that story. And the reason is because the project is not supposed to be about me or anything I do. The project is supposed to be about the weight and the power and the magic and the motivation, whatever emotional response you want to call it, of the portraits and the stories themselves. I am just the gatherer. And I didn't want to look like I was trying to self-promote. But I thought, you know what? It's a darn good portrait. And I guess it's a pretty cool way for him to say thank you, although he didn't have to do that. So I published it. And people got on that post. It was, it almost went viral. Wow. And people started messaging me, how do we get him some shoes? And I remember thinking, well, I don't know. I can't track him down. I can't yeah. say, where are you? I got to go get you some shoes. You know, this is not something that I can reach out to somebody. Hey, I photographed you. Now I need to see you again. Right. It's not possible. So somebody said, well, why don't you start a fundraiser? And I am going to be honest. I was very skeptical because I had tried fundraisers in the past. Uh, the very first year I ran a fundraiser, it was called Humans to the Rescue. And we raised a whopping $50. And I was mortified. Sure. I just thought if that's the best we can do, then I that's just not worth it. And then we tried it again the next year and we raised $100. And I mm. thought, well, hey, you know, something is something. But when this came up and they wanted me to start a GoFundMe for the homeless, I thought, oh boy, I've, I've raised $150 in two years. I don't think this is going to happen. And somebody messaged me and said, the time is now. Do it. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> All right. So I started a GoFundMe. And within a very short period of time, we raised $2,000, which was Huge. That's awesome. Yeah. Absolutely huge. Well, then the question came up, well, what are you going to do with the money? That's what I was wondering. Okay. And so now at that time, American Idol was still very big and I decided, okay, I am not about to give $2,000 to a homeless person. You don't know what they're going to do with it. And I don't want the responsibility of trying to figure that out. So I asked my followers to submit ideas of local worthy organizations that 
assist the homeless in one way or another. And I gathered those nominations for probably about a week. And I think ultimately people turned in some 30 or 40 different organizations. And some of them I had heard of, some I had never heard of. And I created a photo album of images that represented each organization. And I put that album out there as a post. And I said, all right, followers, hit like on the organization that you think this money should be given to. And every week, will knock off the organization that gets the least votes. And I really tried to keep it as American Idol style mm-hmm. as I could. And as the weeks went by, the, 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 the nominations got dropped off until we got down to three. And I'm sorry to say I can't remember what all three of them were. One was called the Homeless Youth Resource Center right here in Salt Lake. One was called Youth Futures somewhere up in Ogden. And I, again, I can't remember what the third one was. And I decided, all right, this is it. We've got the final three. Start hitting like on whatever image you think should get this money. And the beauty of that was, you know, you go onto your Facebook, you can like an image and you only get to like it once. Yeah. So I didn't have to worry about fake voting yeah. or unrealistic, un- undependable numbers. If you liked it, that was your vote. Finally, when it all came down, the Homeless Youth Resource Center won the the votes. And I reached out to them and said, you know, we've done this fundraiser and we have this $2,000 that we would like to present. However, there's a catch. And I emphasized with them, this is not for overhead. This is not to pay some salary. This is not for office supplies. This money is to be used to buy shoes, boots and socks for the homeless youth because by the time that fundraiser had and all the voting had been done it was starting to get cold and i thought now this is not the time of year to be without shoes so it made more sense and we promptly brought a check to the homeless youth resource center gave them two thousand dollars and they bought shoes and boots and socks for the kids that's awesome. And it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the biggest fundraiser so that we've done. So that's the kind of stuff you would like to do. I would like to be able to have an opportunity to say humans of Salt Lake City believes that this is an issue we need to address mm-hmm. or that this is something we need to work together on and inspire people to want to participate, whether it be monetarily or or even just socially and 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 interactively to make some kind of a difference even now i still i'm not convinced i have quite that kind of clout yet but you, you, who knows you'll get there who knows you'll get man I'll, t- I'll tell you what man listening to your stories and all that i'm just like man i gotta figure out ways i can help this guy i, I mean maybe so, i just feel so inspired maybe it's there like, is a way with i am salt lake and humans of salt lake city I maybe mean, we can we team can, up and yeah i mean I got, awesome? I got some ideas i'd be... like to actually chat with you maybe once we're stopped yeah. recording here let's shift gears just a little bit here uh there's a few salt lake city questions that we got to ask on the podcast before we completely run out of time here i mean we <laughs> you know i mean i could talk to you all day mike but uh <laughs> let's say i mean someone's visiting salt lake city this 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 weekend and they're, they're like, Mike, show me around town. Where do you like to show people? I mean, or, or maybe it's even a hike in the mountains or a camping. 
What's the Mike tour when people are visiting Salt Lake City? Oh gosh, all over. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I, I have visitors coming from all over the country to see me and because we, of humans of Salt Lake. No, no, no. no okay. No, okay. Just, well, that, that would be nice, but no, yeah. <laughs> no, we go to Antelope Island. We go to the spiral jetty. We go to park city. We go to city Creek. Uh, we go everywhere that I go to talk to people. I like to show Liberty park and sugar house. Um, I think it's fun to, wander around downtown and go into some of the smaller streets, the arteries of Main Street and State Street, where some of those old buildings are with the old architectural details. Granted, Salt Lake is is a very unique place, uh, but I think you have to put some effort in to discovering sure. what it is that makes it unique. I like to take people to the city-county building. The reason I say that is because when I first got my Nikon, I had a, I bought a, a telephoto lens. And if you look closely and zoom in on some of the details on the upper parts of the building, there are gargoyles and faces. And they're not just routinely created faces. These are, I've done close ups of them. They are individual personalities of their own from one to the next. They are not all the same. And they're cool looking too. And they're cool. Yeah. Yes. And so I think if, if one were to come to Salt Lake City and approach it on a microscopic detail level beyond looking at all the touristy areas that we have, I mean, granted, Temple Square is great. City Creek is great. The mountains are great. But I think that if you give yourself a chance to zoom in on the dewdrops on the blades of grass in Salt Lake City, you might be surprised at the reflection you see. Absolutely. Oh, man. <laughs> this is poetry. <laughs> would you change anything about Salt Lake City if you could? I would. It's a big question, it I realize. Because, I mean, if you change it, it could change Salt Lake City. Uh, I would make Salt Lake City easier to get around traffic-wise. Salt Lake City is a very pedestrian-friendly city, but I wish we didn't have a stoplight every 10 yards. Yeah. Just to be perfectly honest. And when they're not yeah. they're not synced up either very no. well. You know. Please sync the lights. <laughs> yeah, I mean you you're like I just stopped stopped yes. Yes. 5 yes. feet ago. <laughs> but you know, Salt Lake City is beautiful. It is. Uh, there are so much to see. There's there are places to visit. There are cafes and coffee shops and beer gardens and distilleries and libraries and stores and shops and everything that you could imagine is here if you look for it. And a lot of people don't. A lot of people I, are I really they I think they, they do. They forget to look for it and then yeah. they just complain. I've even made the observation uh, that Salt Lake City is not the homogenous community the world would have us believe it to be, mm -hmm. but you have to look for it. Right. Um, I mean, even in the course of my six years, I have interviewed homeless people. I've interviewed refugees. I have interviewed ex-convicts, drug addicts, cancer victims, ordinary people, people with cancer, people with autism, any number of disease. Some of them I've never heard of before. I have talked with black, white, male, female, gay, straight. The bottom line is, if you breathe, 
If you have a heartbeat, I'll talk to you. There's not really anybody that I don't want to talk to. There's only been just off to the side. There's only ever been one experience where I thought, I don't think I want to talk to that person. I happened to be going through uh, the pride festival a couple years back. And I interviewed some pretty amazing people with actually quite beautiful stories. And then off to the side were the, I don't know what they were, the neo-Nazi Aryan protesters, Mm -hmm. the Bible beaters. And for a very brief moment, and I do mean a brief moment, I thought, you know, maybe I ought to talk to one of them. And as I approached, I could hear some of the terrible, hateful, destructive language they were using. And I thought, you know, if, if I give that person a chance to talk to me, they're going to use this as a chance to promote their own nasty message. And as much as I foster the belief that you can have a difference of opinion, you are not allowed to be destructive in my house. Mm-hmm. And so that was the one time that I decided, no, I'm, I'm not going to go there. They, they're, they're spouting off their own message, and I'm sure plenty of people are hearing them. They don't need me to share that. Yeah, yeah. I love this guy. I know. <laughs> what I about, love it. What, what about favorite local eating spots? You got one or two favorite places you like to favorite grab spots. lunch or dinner? I mean, you're, you're walking around downtown you know, a lot even. I mean, I, I'm totally about Texas Roadhouse. Can't lie. Got a good steak, man. Love it. Love it. Can't get Their enough rolls? of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. I really do enjoy the, uh, the, have you ever been to the Krua Thai? I, I don't, I don't, I don't think, think so. so. Okay. Okay. Tell me more. It, it used to be called the Thai Lotus. Okay. Uh, yeah, Thai Lotus. The, yeah. The, yeah. It's called the Krua Thai right across the street on, uh, from the Leonardo okay. on um, 500 South. A little hole in the wall. I forgot about that place, yeah. But I got to tell you, they serve the best Tom Kagai, which is a coconut milk chicken soup oh. with lemongrass. It will change you your there. world. Yes. I forgot about that place. I've, I've had that soup at a different Thai restaurant, so I would love to try you that version. You have to. Uh, in fact, it's funny about Thai. I can tell you that. Do you remember there used to be a Thai restaurant at the Gateway called the Typhoon? I do remember. Okay, now they're out of business, and I think I know why. <laughs> they put tomato in their Tom Kagai. What? Really? Now, I'm sorry. In my universe, tomato and coconut does not mix. That's just wrong on multiple levels. <laughs> so that's what put him out of business. It could be. It could be. You know, I remember, I just gosh, that, that was a while ago. Did you ever go to Typhoon? No. I, I had a buddy that was a, a server or something over there. And, Such uh, a great I, I name, went, though. I went it was right by, oh, yeah, uh, it was it was right awesome by Barnes yeah. & Nobles up there. Yeah, on, I, on the, it must have been before my time. Now- Chrissy throws a final question out, Mike, but is there, before we completely lose you here in, I mean, we'll just have to bring you back through, man. Cause I, I would Anytime. love to, I would love to chat more. Is there anything you were hoping to talk about before, uh, before she throws the final question or how can, how can people find you? I mean, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Any final thoughts? I want to first emphasize that the Facebook page and the Instagram page are not about the numbers. Okay, it's so cool to say, yeah, Humans of New York has 18 million followers. Salt Lake City is not New York, okay? Salt Lake City is its own amazing, multifaceted, multicolored, multinational entity and does not need New York to be what it is. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I would certainly love a bigger audience. I'm not going to lie. 
Okay. So I would love to be able to say, people, go on to Facebook, look up Humans of Salt Lake City and follow it and hit like on it and, and see what you can discover. See what other people out there are experiencing and see how it can touch you. See how it can add to your life and maybe jump into the conversation and let's talk and let's get acquainted and let's learn more about each other. So yes, on Facebook, Humans of Salt Lake City. On Instagram, it is called The Humans of Salt Lake City as one word. Hmm. And I would just love to see more interaction, more people joining in the conversation, people showing that they are being inspired or made to dream or given a chance to alter their thinking and maybe acknowledge in a positive and non-threatening way that there are in fact other perspectives and that it's totally okay. And I'll put that link at IamSaltLake.com with this episode as well. So people can hit it and hit that share button. I mean, if there's a good story on there that you hit, hit, share it out to your your Facebook friends, you know, because they might, they might enjoy or benefit and and come on to your Facebook and, and read some of those stories. Yeah. Uh, Same with Instagram. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Chrissy has a final question. I'm going to let her throw it out. Thank you so much, Mike, for coming and doing the, the, the podcast. Uh, everybody should connect with you. I mean, you, I didn't, I didn't even know all everything you said today. So uh, throw it out there. So Chrissy. I'm going to do to you what you did to the gardener at Temple Square and ask you what piece of life advice or motto would you leave with our listeners? Listen to the people around you. Pay close attention to the people that you work with and live with and do things with and be open to the notion that you have an opportunity, perhaps like nobody else, to make a difference when you interact. That's beautiful. I love it. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much, Mike. Perfect place in the show. Thank you. You bet. Many thanks again to Mike for joining us on this episode of the podcast. All the links mentioned in this episode can be found on our website at IamSaltLake.com slash 398. That's for episode 398. Support for I Am Salt Lake comes from KRCL 90.9, amplifying community voices since 1979. This listener-supported music discovery station covers everything from reggae and punk rock to local grassroots activism. Listen today at 90.9 FM or right online at krcl.org. And it is that time of the podcast weekly recommendations. I don't think we've done this for a couple of weeks, Chrissy. Yeah, I mean, life's been a little bit busy, so now that we're settled back into home, and, well, we have then, lots of recommendations. And then last week was Patreon supporters. We wanted to give some extra time for those guys. For sure, and, for sure. Uh, but we got some good weekly recommendations. You're going to go we first, do. though. I am. Oh, exciting. So I'm going to recommend this week that you all go watch the Dave Chappelle special on Netflix, the newest one. It is um, it's mind-blowing. It's brilliant it comedy. Is the most wonderfully offensive and brilliant comedy all wrapped into the same package. It's just, he just says stuff that you're not supposed to say, but he nails it. You know? I couldn't believe the amount of people on Facebook that are talking badly about this, really, though. Well, and then you got the, you got the real, com- the people that enjoy real comedy. They're talking highly of it because right. they understand what he's doing. Exactly. I mean, he's he's purposely pushing buttons. He's trying to make you think, you know? Yeah, well, exactly. He's bringing up topics that people 
are too PC to talk about. Well, we live in a world, including myself, because I know I get offended really easy. And it's like, it's kind of like, what happened to us, right? Like, why are we getting offended so easy? Oh, for real. Go check it out, though. Dave Chappelle, it's on, it's on Netflix. We yeah. all have Netflix, right, so guys? So good. Yeah. My recommendation, though, I'm really excited for this one. Cause, C-A-W-S, that is where we got our brand new little doggy. Yeah, she's we, so cute. We got a little doggy. Today, they had a they had one of those do- uh, dog and cat adoptions down at the gateway. And, you know, in our new house that we got, that we ta- we've been talking about it on the podcast that we got from our, our friends over at Market Source Real Estate. Big shout out to Monique and, and Jeremy over there. Anyways, cause they were doing an event down at the gateway. We went down there and we just fell in love with this little doggy. Oh, she's just so sweet. And I th- did we come up with a name for her? Are we, are we, I, I are think we, we did. Are we going with Karen? We're naming her Karen. You know, there's something about human <laughs> names with dogs. I love it. Well, it's awesome because you or said pets. that when, when we left, you're like, we should name her Karen. Oh, I, yeah. And I was like, I guess. And then when, when we told the kids that name, they all freaked out. They thought it was the most brilliant name in the world. Yeah, Karen. So, <laughs> Karen. We're you, doing Karen. Well, no, it, it, you know. It's, She's adorable. Yeah, she is. We'll post pictures. And well, thank we already... you, Cause, for doing such an awesome service for the, you know, the puppies, the kitties, and us. Yeah, exactly. Cause, I it, check them out on Facebook. I, I know they're on Facebook, and then and then their website and all of that. And that's going to do it for this episode. Don't forget to support our show sponsors, KRCL, Kennedy Botanicals, and Libsyn. We'll have links for all of them at our website under the notes for this episode, which you can find at IamSaltLake.com. And you can always send us an email to say hello. We love to hear from our listeners. You can send an email to hello at IamSaltLake.com and tell us what you love about living in Salt Lake City. All right. You have a great week. Make sure to get out and enjoy the city this week. It's going to be beautiful out there. Support local whenever possible. And we'll see you next week on the next episode. And good night, Grammy. Grammy.